That is our new intro music. Well, three weeks old, I guess, but with kind of a country feel. I think I like it. Um, it is in your ear because we are in your ear. It is March 8th. I am Joe Fortunato. I am joined, as always, by Beth Macklin and Michael Murphy. Ladies, gentlemen, how are you guys doing today? Hello. I am, I am swell. Swell? Oh, Just swell. swell. <laughs> Beth is having a lot of trouble hearing today. Um, yes, I do. A couple of things to get off right off the bat. This is a show that is sponsored by Blue Apron. Blueapron.com slash blue shirt will do a couple of things for you. The first thing it will do is it will get you three free meals on Blue Apron. The second thing it will do oh is it will God. get a company to give you sustainable, locally sourced food, and they'll bring it to your door. You don't have to go shopping. You don't have to look at a, a recipe book. You don't have to figure all that stuff out. They will literally deliver the exact measurements of every single item you need. They will give it to you. They will give you a small sheet that has instructions on it. You will do the instructions, and the next thing you know, you will have a delicious dinner. They deliver to 99% of the continent of the United States. You can do it from your couch, and the food is really good. They uh, gave me a sample a couple of weeks ago, and it was spectacular. And I do not use that word lightly. That may be the first time I've used the word spectacular in regards of food on the show. Um, so it is blueapron.com slash blue shirt. Like I said, the first three meals are free on that. You can choose of two options. It is either three meals a week for two people or two wheel, two wheels, two meals a week for four people. And yeah, it's everything. Chicken, fish, pork, lamb, whatever. I did a lamb, um, a lamb and beef tahini the other day, and it was fantastic. Spectacular. It was great. So go to blueprint.com slash blue shirt and get started today. Maybe you want to cook and watch the Rangers at the same time or cook for the Rangers. Make it a nice little evening for yourself. I don't know how you watch the New York Rangers. I'm not going to tell you how to watch the New York Rangers because that is a personal experience. Beth watches it with ducks covered in butter, and Mike usually watches it in his bathtub. So figure that out for yourself. This show is also sponsored by our Patreon subscribers. They went to patreon.com slash blueshirtbanter. And they donated some sum of money to us to continue this fun little podcast. Mainly Anthony Viola, Dan Lynch, Matt Bader, Eric Cohn, Daniel DeGen, Michael Silvers, Trevor Kempner, Thomas Olsa, Alexander Thornton, Nicholas Valenza, Dan Carosi, Taylor Ryder, John J. Porter, Armeo Kissinger, Zachary Zetlin, Igor Zetlovsky, and Arch Williams. Thank you, all of you. One day Beth will lick a ranger and she will not have to pay her own bail because you will have donated some sum of money to us and we will use it to get her out of jail. Well, it is two weeks after the trade deadline. Well, actually, I guess a week after the trade deadline. Last week was our post-trade deadline podcast where we went over what the Rangers did and did not do. We've had three games to see what the Rangers have looked like since then, and I think we've gotten a little bit of mixed signals. Uh, Tanner Glass was recalled. He's played in the past two games. Had the game of his life yesterday uh, against the Florida Panthers. The Rangers also called up Stephen Camper, who replaced uh, Adam Clendenning, and actually played really well yesterday as well. Um, I'm not sure what the team is going to look like when everybody comes back. Right now, Jesper Faust and Michael Grabner are still hurt. So Brandon Peary continues to have a normal role on this team. Uh, I think we are all in agreement that he will be coming out when everybody is healthy. But uh, what kind of lineup do we see? I guess the forwards will have to wait and see where Glass kind of slots in. But for 
the defense, uh, are we still under the impression that we're going to see everybody but Klein and Clendenning on the back end? Beth, I guess you could start us off on that one. Defense well, is your forte. What's the timing for what's the timing for Klein? You know, it's actually interesting that you mentioned that. I think Girardi is on schedule. Whatever schedule the Rangers thought they were going to have with him, I think it was two to three weeks. I think he's on schedule. Klein, I don't think, is on schedule. I don't really know what the deal is with Klein at this point, but I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure he's going to be playing even when he comes back, unless I'm crazy. Well, yeah. The last we heard is that he he wouldn't make the road trip with, you know, Tampa, Florida, which we saw, and then tomorrow with Carolina, and then Sunday on the road again uh, in Detroit. So um, he's out presumably at least through Sunday. So another two games. And then, like Joe said, I'm not even sure if he's back in the lineup when it's healthy because of Smith being here. Brandon Smith. Beth, I mean, that's the logic, that? right? No, I think yeah. I'm feeling about logic these days. Yeah, I somewhat really, logical. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm being positive, but... Yeah, this is a positive yes, podcast. it does seem like he would not... Yeah, it is positive podcast. Um, it is a glass half full podcast. I believe we decided ah. earlier it was going to be. Um, it is. That's the name of the actual title. It's glass half full. <laughs> I better get royalties for that. Yes, <laughs> because you did completely coin the phrase. Um, so, I mean, it would seem that he would be the the extra guy there, but I mean, I really, I almost can't predict. I mean, we were used to having a sort of embarrassment of riches in the forwards department. And while I won't call the defense an embarrassment of riches, um, we do have more guys all of a sudden to figure yeah, it's, out. It's a lot of guys, not necessarily rich guys. <laughs> Let's just call it a lot of guys. And, um, yeah, so there'll be, I think there'll be some pretty indicative, interesting choices coming up. But I, I honestly, I watched every game except the, I could not tell you what they're going to be. I, I will say so. I'm I'm kind of shocked that to this point it we're 65 games into the season. It took 65 games for the Rangers to get Glass into the lineup. It took 65 games for them to get Camper. Uh, I don't even know really if he counts, but in, into the lineup in, in some form of consistency. And for the amount of injuries that the Rangers have had, I think that is a somewhat outstanding or, or, or shocking fact because. When you think about the players that the Rangers have lost to this point to injury, I think embarrassment of riches, especially at forward, is the best way to put it because the Rangers are still not dressing a totally healthy forward lineup. I don't think they've dressed a totally healthy forward lineup in about two or three months. And you're starting to see Buchnevich find his game again. Mika Zibanejad apparently can only score goals in overtime. Uh, Rick Nash is, is beast mode Rick Nash. I will not hear a word of complaint about Rick Nash uh, for yeah, the rest of the unreal. season. And I think people are complaining about Derek Stepan. I have my own thoughts on that. We'll probably get into that. But JT Miller's oh. doing great. Kevin Hayes is doing great. Brady Shea continues to do great. There's a, there is a lot here that you can look at and say, all right, I, I could see this team making a run in the playoffs. I think there's as much, if not more, of things that you would say, well, these are the reasons why they might not. But Ultimately, the Rangers are playing with house money, right? They have their first-round pick this year. They, they didn't do anything outlandish at the deadline. We've always thought that the summer was going to be the time to make their moves, and 
I mean, whatever happens, happens. I think expectations should be tempered, but who cares? You're, there's nothing to lose. There's no going all in. And I think that makes an enormous difference when it comes to the way that we're evaluating success to this season. You, you'd like to see the Rangers go as deep as possible. I think the best way to do that is to go to the wild card and play Montreal, who is not going to be an easy matchup because of Carey Price, but the Rangers aren't going to be an easy matchup because of Henrik Lundqvist. And can we talk about how good Auntie Ranta and Henrik Lundqvist have been? I mean, honestly, the, I guess the loss a couple of days ago was, or three games ago was not the best. And it was part of the reason why the Rangers kind of did this shake up with Tanner Glass. But since then, and really around them, the Rangers have been much more sound at goaltending. They think this is one of the best defensive groups they have possible that they're putting together. We're going to see that get changed up too when everybody comes back healthy. But the only things you can really hate right now is that the Rangers either didn't do enough at the trade deadline and, and still think they're contenders. And even if you think that they didn't really do anything, especially if Smith is a long-term option who, by the way, I mentioned in the notes today, I do not remember seeing Brendan Smith at all since the Rangers have traded him. And I mean, that as a complete compliment. I mean, he's done the little things, right. He's gotten the puck out of the zone, nothing flashy. He hasn't really put up any, I don't think he's put up any points, but, no, there not, has not been that that cover your eyes. Oh my God, we don't know what we're getting, and I would say that would be a success. No. Well, he's been thrust into. It's funny that we haven't noticed him because he's getting a lot of ice time. He's immediately plugged into the second most ice time on the team behind uh, McDonough, and now, I mean, the most the most I've noticed Smith, other than the early on like awkward reminiscing about Anisimov and McElrath seeing the number 42 was, I think it was that first game where he just kind of stumbled or something in the open ice and someone got around him and then he just exploded a guy. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that with uh, like a shot away from play and I was just like, I didn't remember this being part of our profile on who Brendan Smith is and what he's all about, but um, I think he was on the, the ice for three goals against Florida. I mean, it happens when you're on the ice, you know, 22 minutes a night or whatever he's been averaging. But um, so far, I don't have a lot of complaints. And if the Rangers paid the price they paid for him, then I definitely do want to see him for, you know, north of 20 minutes every night. And especially, um, I know, just to backtrack quickly to Klein is, and an interesting fact about Klein is in the last three games before he came out of the lineup, he was getting only 20 shifts a night, averaging a little over 14 minutes, which is less than the Rangers play, Clem Denning, um, most of the year. So um, it seems like that transition might have already kind of been in place. And when you have a guy like Smith who, you know, we were told he's a – would be a pretty good second pair guy, but the Rangers obviously need him to play that right side and be a big minute guy. And, you know, he's certainly not going to blow the world away with what he can do in the offensive zone, but, you know, relatively mistake-free hockey and a a defensive partner that isn't Girardi for McDonough sometimes, you know, I'll take it. Beth? I mean, yeah, it's, it, we definitely didn't notice him in a bad way. I noticed him getting the 
crap kicked out of him a couple times in his first two games. It seemed like he attracted the ire of the other day. Remember he got that terrible flash across the throat? And then he was just getting roughed up seemingly uh, out of of proportion to to what you would think would happen. That was really the first thing I noticed about him. But, I mean, yeah, Yeah, he's been more than solid. So... You know, no complaints, and I mean, it, it looks like it was it looks like it was a good move. So any good moves, especially on defense, we have to be happy about. Um, and in terms of you know, not being that much of a puck moving guy, I mean, Brady Shea, Joe, I think you, your self flagellation on the Brady Shea front is is really kind of amusing. Actually, I don't know why you <laughs> thought you were supposed to see exactly how strong he was going to be. Or maybe it was just because you lost your mind when people, when uh, who was it? Brooksy said he'd be another Yandel or the replacement for Yandel or whatever. But you know yeah. what? Let's just be happy about it. He's had well, such it, great games recently. There's nothing not to be happy about. I, I he should be <laughs> getting Calder votes. I, I, look, Line A is going to score forty this year. Austin Matthews is quite clearly one of the budding young stars of the game. I overlooked that is Brady Shea 16th in the entire NHL in even strength assists. He's tied for second among defensemen. He's tied with Eric Carlson. He's just behind Brent Burns. I, I, I don't think you can really speak enough to the amount of, and look, he, this is a rookie who is 32 points right now, who will almost undoubtedly finish the year with about, 30, I think he's at 29 assists right now, so 30 assists. I mean, for a rookie, what more can you say? I mean, what more can you want? And if he develops into this player, the Rangers are obviously going to be very happy. But when they looked at him, he was sort of a a Ryan McDonough light. And you can kind of see why, just based off of some of his stats, the way that he came up to the United States Developmental Program. But even so, he was at any level, just a, a super offensive player. His best season was actually 28 points in 68 AHL games. And now he has more points than that in less games in the NHL this year. So even in college, he was 14 points in 40 games, 10 points in 33 games. I mean, Minnesota was absolutely stacked, and they had – Oh, God, I can't remember his name. I think he signed with the Wild, but um, a, a power play defenseman who pretty much soaked up all those minutes, and Shea never got them. So who knows if, if that's a part of this. But I guess I will say that I wish Shea was the number one power play quarterback right now rather than Ryan McDonough. If Adam Clendenning is not going to play, then you may as well give those reps to Shea. And Vigneault has certainly had him out there quite a bit. He's kind of put Shea in a position to get those reps, but make him your guy because from a vision standpoint, it's not like the Rangers have a cannon from the point. There is no Shea Weber. Ryan McDonough, even at his best, is not that type of a defenseman. So you may as well get the vision out there, let McDonough rest, and give him time for the five-on-five and the four-verse-five. It's just the way that it goes. And we haven't really seen Vigneault kind of get away from that, but right now there's really no other choices. Holden is seeing some time there because of the offense that he's provided in the first half of the year, and, I mean, that's fine. People have to go play back there, but uh, I would give Shea those minutes. And 
sky's the limit. I mean, if this is what he is, if he's a 30 to 40 point defenseman for the rest of his life and he's got that smooth stride, uh, I did think there was a period of time where I did think, and I know I'm rambling here, that he could be a 40 point (laughs) defenseman. But I I thought he could be a 40 point defenseman because of his ability to jump into the rush. It was one of the big things that he did really well in the NHL. Just someone who can immediately take those turnovers in the defensive zone and turn them into offense on rushes. We haven't really seen that from Shea. He's that type of a fluid skater, and he can do it. But his points are coming from these these pinpoint passes, and it's incredible. I mean, it really yep. is incredible. And, it, and it's it's. I didn't think he would ever get to this level, or at least be at this level this quickly. And, and I don't mean that as an insult to him. I just I thought this was way too much offense for a guy who never projected at any level for that type of offense. Even in the United States Developmental Program, the United States Hockey League, there was nothing outstanding about his numbers. There really wasn't. So, solid defenseman, the kind of guy that you'd want. He kind of reminds me of, of Brendan Smith and the, the way that he skates and the way that he, he moves, but the difference is that Shea is putting up the points offensively. Um, someone stopped me from well, blabbing yeah, the, just, to, just to carry on and continue the, the Brady Shea love is, the thing that's really stood out to me is I think early in the season when we were talking about him, we were just kind of hand-in-hand hand with uh, watching Nick Holden's counting stats and just being like, you know, holy hell, when did Holden get 10 assists, you know? And it was just kind of the same thing for Shea. It just felt like he was always involved when, you know, the offense was having those big five-goal games and he was just picking up assists. But the thing that really is – been remarkable to me is how consistent he's been for a rookie D and that's why I don't think it's that crazy to think of him as a guy who should be getting Calder votes like you said Joe and I know that sound, might sound really crazy to people considering you know Matthews Marner and Line out there but a pretty you know influential stat is the fact that Shea has more points since January 1st than McDonough and VC do combined um, you know, since January 1st, he's third on the team in points. He has 16 points in 28 games since the beginning of the new year. And what's so exciting about him is that he's done all of this with, like, with breadcrumbs for power play ice time. And he's six foot three, skates like the wind, and he's this. I, I don't mean to tie it to something negative, but He's this really promising light at the end of the tunnel for, you know, the, the, the problem the Rangers created for themselves with the Stall and Girardi contract. Like a guy that likes Shea being a part of the team right now is so encouraging for, you know, a cough controlled guy who is really, really good at what he does. And, you know, early on we were calling him, you know, like a McDonough Jr. And there are, times when it looks like he could be, you know, just as good, if not better, especially at certain aspects of the game. And one of those is, like Joe said, that his ability to quickly make decisions with the puck, especially in the rush, is really, really good. And when he's around the net, too, he's picked up a lot of points just, you know, attacking the net and being around the net and seeing those sort of things from a Rangers defenseman that's been a long time since we saw you know, a defenseman who would do those things. So I think there's really good cause to be excited about Shea. And 
there's plenty of storylines, you know, surrounding the Rangers right now, but one that just doesn't get talked about enough is, you know, there's all the talk about VC and Buchnevich in and out of the lineup with Buchnevich, but this is the best rookie season we've seen out out of a Ranger in a really long time. And the fact that it's, you know, a, the most recent draft pick, you know, our 2012 draft pick, we haven't had um, another first-round pick since then, and he's panning out and proving to be a really, really good player is a huge deal. What's going on with Sean Bay right now? Someone he signed his entry level contract. Okay. Which we were going to bring up, but you uh, just jumped, jumped ahead of us. Yes, you did, like um, an ostrich. Would that's be. me. Yeah. Jumping guns. Jump like an ostrich. <laughs> Buttering guns. Um, the final point on Shea, because I do want to get to Day. Ooh, Shea Day, they rhyme. Um, oh. Shea's had so little support, too. He really has not had the opportunity to be sheltered like we thought he was going to need to. And that was another one of my concerns when the Rangers traded Grabner was that you're exposing Shea to the fire pretty much right away in his career. And yeah. Some guys were able to overcome that. Some guys are not able to overcome that, and he's been able to overcome it. And it, it does make me excited for the, the possibilities when, if next season we're looking at Shattenkirk, Smith, and being the two kind of big replacements here for whoever it may be, call it Girardi and Klein, you're talking about a totally revamped defense, and Shea can really, maybe he doesn't have to sink into any role, but all of a sudden you have a lot more protection up and down the lineup. And Right now, I think it's Shea and McDonough are the guys that people are really worried about when they're on the ice matching up against them, and um, that might change when you have a guy like Shattenkirk who's, who's going to draw a lot of attention, but is also going to be a guy who's going to make some space for people. And what's uh, it's sky's the limit. Him, Buchnevich, VC is going to be a good player. I don't think VC is the ceiling of either of them. Uh, I think Buchnevich is the highest ceiling of the three rookies this year, but. Um, there is a lot to be excited about. There really is, especially moving forward. And Gordon's going to have some work to do this summer to keep some of the restricted free agents together. Uh, he's got to pay Hayes and Miller next year. He's got to pay Zabanajad this year. These are all sorts of problems that we're going to have to deal with moving down the line. But um, it, there, there's worse places to be, especially from a forward standpoint. Um, as for Day, probably one of the Rangers' top prospects, um, he signed his entry-level contract this year. Just, uh, I mean, he's a lottery ticket. He feels like a lottery ticket. Maybe a lottery ticket with, like, two cherries scratched off, so you already know you're <laughs> kind of halfway there. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I think we talked about him extensively after the draft on one of the podcasts, but just someone who has literally every tool in the book to be a guy as good as, as Victor Hedman um, or could kind of bust out. He's had a, a, a lot of pressure on him. He got exep- exceptional player status to play in the OHL at 15. He is one of four players to have that happen. And I think it put a lot of pressure on him and he didn't know how to live up to it. And the Rangers have just kind of let him do his thing. And they targeted it. They targeted him from the beginning and here they are. Nah, who knows him and Graves might be the future when it comes to this stuff too. The Rangers definitely have, they definitely have some stuff there that, that they can look at and who knows how things are going to shake out, I guess. Um, but, so there's been a lot of questions about Derek Stepan, and I have a buddy who 
specifically asked the question about Stepan that I wanted to talk to you guys about. He thinks that Stepan, really it's the reverse Nash. He thinks Stepan only plays well when it's big games and that he steps up for the playoffs and that when it's just regular, run-of-the-mill regular season games, he's just not, maybe his head's not there and he's not as effective. And I thought it was interesting because normally you hear it the other way, that guys are, are not capable of performing in the on the bigger stage. But I am curious what you guys think about that. Mike, I'll, I'll give you the floor on that one. Stefan is actually probably the biggest name ranger that I have kind of, um, I would say, you know, minority opinions on. I've, I've had a really hard time, you know, trying to figure out what, what his value to the team is, what he brings to the team is ever since he signed that big extension. And, you know, it was one of those contracts where it's, you know, pay him like the first land center you expect him to be. And he's not like grossly overpaid by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, there's this, this incredible ceiling of 60 points that, um, he just can't seem to break, and this year that's going to happen again, or at least it appears that'll be the case. Um, but at the end of the day, he's the second highest paid forward on the team by a pretty significant gap. Um, Stepan is 6.5 on the cap, and then Kreider is 4.625. Um, as to whether or not he's a guy who only shows up in big games, I, I've always had a hard time kind of nailing down those things that are kind of like optics-based. I know we had a similar feeling about, or I should say Rangers fans collectively had a similar feeling about, you know, Broussard shows up at, on home ice. When, he, when he's at the Garden in big games, he's, you know, if it's at the Garden, he'll show up. Um and there definitely are players who perform better in like home and away situations, but it's a lot harder to kind of dig into like proving theories where if it's a big game that matters or whatever, then Stefan will show up because um, you have to determine, all right, well, what's a big game? Is there, are we just talking you know, postseason? Cause for, you know, you're talking, you know, games after the trade deadline or what have you. But, um, you know, since the beginning of the new year and the last, you know, 28 games or so, he really hasn't had, you know, very solid numbers. And I'm talking exclusively about counting stats. But uh, he's like one of those guys who the Rangers have had a couple of them now where he just – it seems like they can't buy a goal. And that's not necessarily Stefan's role to score goals, uh, but he is certainly on the team to be a guy who produces points, especially with the way he's paid. He's not considered or really celebrated for what he does away from the puck. Um, and so the question is, and not to say that he's bad away from the puck, um, but it's the question of, all right, well, what, what does he bring that, you know, someone like Hayes doesn't bring or someone like Zabinajad doesn't bring? Um, and it's it's a really tricky thing for me. I, I don't really know how I feel about him. I'm really interested to see what Beth has to say. Well, so he had his – he got 22 last year, um, and that was his highest, I believe, to that. I think he had 21 first, second, 2010, so I'm looking now. 
I mean, the thing that kids... Someone dying? No. Okay. It did sound like you were like choking. Someone was choking to death on yeah, an ice it, cube or something. Which I would do. Like that would seem plausible. No, I closed the door. I, I, the I door. would do the Your door is choking on an ice cube. Through the phone, and I don't know if it would work, but... I'd be thinking of you. That's really what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Maybe have an ostrich on hand to kick the food out of your throat. No, thank you. We know how that ends. Yeah, that's, yeah he that's doesn't not, want that. That's he doesn't You're not helping it. All right. Go on, anyway, Beth. back to step one. All right, going on. Um, I think what's concerned <laughs> me about him this year, and I have been worried about him for a while, um, I don't know if it, the right word would be worried, but I've been noticing that things he would have put in before uh, he hasn't. It just felt like the clockwork was a tiny bit off. Um, things he would have buried, uh, places he would have been, um, passes he was just a step behind, that sort of thing. So it's felt to me like its timing's been off for a while, and now it's just sort of snowballed um, to the point where... I think there's not enough – I mean, that's what he has to be doing on the ice. He's not someone like Nash who's, uh, you know, going to be doing damage at both ends of the ice, I don't think. Um, we need him to score the goals in those moments, those tight moments. And, yeah, those tight moments are sometimes in big games. I would never – I mean, yes, he loved those big game moments, but I would have never said – that he loved those at the expense of smaller game moments. I would have said he liked big moments and whether Mm. there were four people there, which would never happen or whether it's, you know, the winning game of a series, they were big moments in the game. They weren't necessarily big moments in the season. Um, So I kind of, I kind of both agree and disagree with that. Um, But yeah, to me, it's just looked like he's just, you know, a shade behind his timing's just a shade off and the things that would normally be happening aren't happening. Um, and it's, you know, it, it is really evident. I can't imagine, you know, how the guy is sleeping at night at this point. Um, because yeah, it just seems like something that something's not working and it's not his teammates. So, you know, so he had, I think he had one golden chance against Florida, I think on the power play, I think it was a Zook pass where, it just was one of those, you know, perfect pass and Reimer was out of position and it should have just been a goal, but he just shanked it wide. Um, and it's it's a curious thing, like I was saying before, trying to figure out, like, well, what do we mean by big games? Like, do we look for things like game-winning goals? Do we look for, you know, I just looked at his playoff stats. They're, they're hardly terrible, but, you know, they're not like, they don't really grab your attention. You know, he had two goals in five games. Mm-hmm. Last year, and you know, I, I think that's right. But then again, he had uh, five goals in nineteen games the year before that. So, yeah, and the two and five suddenly looks a lot better. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, Rick Nash had two goals one way to in the playoffs do it. last year too, and that just do it. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Yeah, but <laughs> it's okay. I yeah, am, I'm shocked because you two are in complete agreement. I am in total disagreement. I think Stepan is, is good in his own end, like very good in his own end uh, as a defensive player. And I don't think – look, we need to quantify what a number one defenseman is because that seems to be the argument. I think Stepan is eight points in the number one 21 player. games. 
And he still has 44 points in 67 games. This is a guy who's probably going to get around 50 to 55 points. I think. Who knows? I mean, he could totally kind of just fall off the cliff. But that's sort of been yeah. his MO, that 55-point range. And you get that. You get the defense. That's a number one center would be my argument. But both of you, neither of you seem to think that he does anything special on that side of the ice. And I guess that makes me sad. Well, the, well the I guess is, what we have to figure out is has he been lacking on that back. end, too. Sorry. Do we feel like his game has fallen off? Because I know what you mean, too. And, yeah, normally I would think of him someone like that. But now I'm wondering, am I not thinking of him someone like that right now because he hasn't been playing that well in his own end either? Or his game has fallen off or his timing, whatever we want to say, that's not pejorative because we're being positive. Um <laughs> Is one of you listening to the that? show or put us on speaker? No. No, I'm no? doing what I always do. Yeah. Okay. That's, whatever happened, that's better. It was echoing. All right. Don't I was holding my phone weird. Don't talk Not back to me. God, did you know that Sean Day was born in Belgium? Uh, Belgian? I think I did know that, actually. Yeah, he's yeah. like... Thank you, Belgian. I was going to say he's Jewish. He's not Jewish. He's German and uh, Canadian. That's Belgium. right. But born in what? He's Flemish. <laughs> How do you get then? three nationalities? Yeah. I don't know. You just—it's wherever you're born. Yeah. So he was born <laughs> in Belgium. This is yeah. This what is it? German. I don't know what to tell you about so this. So how one. is he Canadian? He called Stepan a, a, a top defense, number one defenseman, and then you just called Belgium Germany. <laughs> Oh, you're right. It is Belgium. I'm sorry. It's not Germany. You're absolutely correct. Uh, I don't know what I was thinking. It doesn't matter. That's all right. It is what it is. The podcast has jumped the rails now. So, um, we're, we're what are we talking cruising about? towards the Tony time. Uh, I was just talking about um, how both of you guys are just attacking Stefan, and I don't like it. Yeah, okay. Well, yeah. The, I'm attacking him as nicely is, I, as possible out of concern. I don't think he's he's like a liability away from the puck. I, by no stress no. do I think he's a bad defensive center. He's just not like a guy you associate with like a Selkie kind of guy who's a, you know, you don't think of him as a guy you put out there like, yeah, we really need, you know, someone to shadow the other team's best center. Stefan's our guy. Um, and that's not a hit against him, but, you know, by any means, but I think there is something like a, and I, and I admitted like, the first thing I said is I have trouble seeing straight when I'm trying to, you know, analyze and get a feel for what Stepan is and what he brings to the team. Cause he's been a guy who's kind of always, I've always had trouble kind of processing and figuring him out no matter how many games I've watched and, you know, looking over numbers and everything else. And because there always feels like there should be something more coming out of him, um, you know, that he's not yet reached you know, what he can be or what he was supposed to be, and yet he's still a very effective and productive player. But, you know, we're now talking about, you know, a 26-year-old player that the team is, you know, attached to at the hip um, unless, you know, he has the no-trade clause kick in next year. And it's it's not something I think that's a problem per se, but, you know, it's – and I know that it's one of those bizarre – you know, like, what do, how do we define a top center in the NHL? And I know we've talked about this before, but, you know, in the Metropolitan Division, your peers are pretty ridiculous. I mean, 
the best center on the Rangers is going to be, you know, the fifth or sixth best center in the division, just the way it is. Um, but more importantly, I think is, you know, trying to understand what he does that isn't points, you know, what he does if he's not getting the 60 points, you know, which might sound arbitrary, but it's not necessarily an arbitrary number when we're talking about a guy who's getting 6.5 million a year. Um, I mean, do you see him as a guy, Joe, who you want out there, you know, when Crosby's on the ice? I mean, is, is that the way you view him? I would view for what the Rangers – actually, not even for what the Rangers have, just for what they are. Yeah, I would not be upset yeah. to see him out there against Crosby. Uh, I, well, well, it's not not be upset. Is he the guy you want? Yes, he would be one of them, yeah. You're very bad at answering direct questions. I said yes. Well, you need more people than you said he would be one on of the them. ice. Yeah. Well, yeah, like him and then two wingers. But he would be my center. Yeah. <laughs> What's that guy? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not with that just thing, him, yeah. but a few other people. That's my response. <laughs> that is how I'm responding to that question. Did he learn how to speak in Germany? Or? Uh, he learned how to speak Belgian waffles. I actually really like Belgian waffles. See? Mm, waffle. Waffle. Waffle is such a good word. I thought he was German. Waffle is a great word. It means so many things. Uh, He's also not hard to throw off the puck, let's face it. To step on? Yeah. Uh, I don't think he is either. Uh, Listen, he's not the greatest thing in the world, but I I think he's damn good in... (laughs) One of the things the Rangers are really going to have to discuss, and Mike touched on it, was do you trade him this summer when he is on the cusp of becoming a, a, a player who has no trade clause? Yeah, they it's have a tricky, July to trade him. one. Yeah, he's the is type of player that hurt. Ha- no, I, you know I. He would, didn't look I would, hurt at casino night. He looked drunk at casino night. I would say um, no. I would say he's not yeah. hurt, but I don't know. I have no idea. He could be. He could be like half dead. We wouldn't know. So what? So what has changed then? Because I mean, my as perhaps critical, although again not negative, as I just was. I think he could turn it around in one good night. Because I do yeah. feel like a lot of it is mental at this point. Um, I feel like he could snap back, and you know, God help us if he does that for somebody else. Um, you know, but he, and, what is what is Stefan at like his unleashed? What is Stefan at his very best? Is that a player that really would strike fear into your heart? I, I don't think he's that kind of guy. And I really like Stefan. Don't get me wrong. I, I know I'm probably sounding like a guy who just doesn't want to like a player or something, but you know, I I look at him and I and I say to myself, he's a perfectly serviceable first line center but I'm just not sure he's the guy that, you know, going to be the top-line center that we want him to be over the next five years or what have you. Yeah, you kind of want more than – you don't want perfectly serviceable to be the adjectives you're using to describe your first-line center. Is what no, but that's just to. my take on it. I mean, I, I don't know. I just don't see straight with him. I don't know what it is. Maybe I feel uh, I, sympathy because he's losing his hair. I went I through a very a awkward teams, phase and it happened to me. <laughs> I think a lot of teams would want him to be their their first line center. Yeah, and that's that's the way I that's how I, I think in those terms. I'm like, well, 
how many teams would, you know, happily have him as their first line center? And it's if the list is more than 10 and it feels like it probably would be, then that tells you a lot. So, you know, it's, it's just a, a tricky, you know, a, a tricky trying to figure out, you know, how we evaluate a guy when, you know, his numbers are never quite what they feel like they should be. You know, it's uh, and it's also one of those reasons why we don't only evaluate players on counting stats. We don't just look at, you know, what's on the back of their hockey card and we tell ourselves, oh, my God, he only had 19 goals this year when he had 22 goals that year. What happened there? And meanwhile, he could have been playing, you know, a much more complete game. And when he's on the ice, the Rangers have the puck more often. I mean, he's he's in the green in possession in terms of, you know, the relative possession numbers on the Rangers. He's a guy who's he's since uh, the beginning of February, I think, I was just looking, it's him and Zuccarello in terms of forwards getting ice time. He's the Rangers forward who's on the ice more often than any other Ranger. So he clearly is a big part of things that are going right with the team. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, this conversation is making me sad. Why is it sad? Positive. I don't know, because I, I feel like... I think a big reason why there's such a divide... And not, it's not just this fan base. Uh, people think it's just this fan base. It's not. This is just the only fan base that we're used to seeing because we're not Penguins fans or Flyers fans or whatever. But there's key things that, that can't be quantified one way or another. Um, mm-hmm. Toughness and grit are a good example of that. And that's a big part of the, the Tanner Glass argument one way or another. Number one center is another one because what's a number one center for one team might not be a number one center for another team. And what does number one center Absolutely. mean? Can you be yeah. a number one center without being elite? And I think the answer to that question is yes. Sidney Crosby is a number one center. Sidney Crosby is also probably the best player in the game. That doesn't make Stepan not a number one center. It just doesn't make yeah. him Sidney Crosby. And I don't mean that as there's 32 number one centers because there's 32 teams and or 32 whatever it is. And yeah, uh, but I do think Stepan is in that that upper tier of players. and Well, I would maybe be... that's a better question. How many centers would you take before you would take Stepan? And the mm-hmm. way I feel is you'd be surprised by how many names are on that list. And that's not, again, that's not a strike against Stepan. He is a guy who I'm thrilled is on the team because he's a very rare occurrence of a home, homegrown, home-developed he is player. He's a bald eagle in every sense yeah, of the word. Yeah, he, he is the bald eagle. He's an American, and, damn it. Uh, yeah, he's he's a damn fine American. Um, but because for how many years did we see the Rangers just sputter and and waffle eh? uh, and fail to develop their own offensive talent, and then we get guys like Stepan, and you know he's kind of the last guy from you know that Dubinsky, Callahan, you know. I would even say, you know, you can throw Artie and Isimov in there. Those guys that were there for a while. I know some people would throw Zook in there, but we forget Zook was, you know, an undrafted free agent kind of a guy. So, it's, I mean, Stepan is in the top 30 in scoring. I'm looking at centers this year, but you're right. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of, I mean, uh, just to but name again, a few. it's to your point. Yeah. It's, 
I totally agree with you. Just because there's better centers out there, of course there's better centers out there. But it, it, it's not like ho-hum the Rangers ended up with Stefan. That's not my, my <laughs> take. My take is more just, I really like Stefan. I'm not sure I like him $6.5 million a year. That's really what it boils down to for me. And the Rangers are going to have to make that decision. They don't have a choice. Especially with Hayes and Zabinajad. And, Miller, potentially. You know, Lindbergh, yeah, Miller, who you could play at center, and Lindbergh, who I think, you know, I wrote an article when, yeah, the, Lindbergh has looked so good of late. I mean, I mean, like a couple of weeks ago, I was writing a piece about whether or not he was the right guy for the job, and looking at his like faceoff numbers compared to Peary's, and apparently, I had no idea this was the case. Peary's a faceoff wizard, um, but. You know, how good has Oscar Lindbergh looked since he's gotten his confidence back? Yep. Positive. I, I, would say pretty, I would say pretty good. Pretty damn good. We've entered the Tony time of this. This has been a positive podcast. This has been quite a positive podcast. Yeah, there's no... And there are things we have not discussed, and we should probably continue to not discuss them. <laughs> Just to not, not bring them up. Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, well... Camper. Controversial yeah, cool. topic. Yeah, but, it's, <laughs> you know, this is, and I, I did want to bring this up before I guess I kind of dropped the ball. I'm trying to think of the best way to word it. Yeah, the glass, like the glass complaints don't have anything to do with glass necessarily. They more have to do with the players who are sitting in favor of him. And we kind of talked about this a little bit before the show. But the reality is, I'm, I, I said it in the notes two days ago. I'm not upset that Glass is playing for Peary or Pumple. Whatever. It is what it is. I will be upset if he goes in for a guy like VC or Buchnevich consistently because those players have more of a they have more of a positive well not positive, they just have more growth options for the Rangers. They're more important long term options. You know what Tanner Glass is the same way you know what Derek Stepan is. Those those guys are what they are. So you do want to see a guy like Buchnevich, who I, I think the ceiling is sky high. You want to make sure that he's not one of the people who are benched. And Vignola's his faults, just like every other coach, and so be it. I mean, we're going to see. What, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. And I meant what I said about the Rangers playing with house money this year. The only person who's got a ton of chips on the table is Henrik Lundqvist because he's 35 years old and not getting any younger. Yeah. Negative. Yeah, I, just, I don't like talking about how old Hank's getting. I think it's a, I think it's just a fact, right? It is a fact, but it makes me sad. Yep. Oh, Henrik, who is uh, a thirty-game winner this year? Goddamn! My right. other things not, that he's racking up. Yeah. I will never not forgive Gary Bettman for the lockout that stopped Lundqvist from being a perennial thirty-game winner. 11 of 12 seasons because they had to have the lockout shortened here. That is not positive, but I'm thinking it. Maybe we can get an ostrich to just start kicking people. Um, oh, I just banged my hand on the desk, and now the dog thinks someone is in the house attacking us. Uh, what else? <laughs> what else do we want to talk about? Mike. Oh, what? What do you want from me? Go ahead. What do you want to talk about? I was going to say I ended up watching the the Rangers Panthers game on the uh, on a Panthers stream and 
I got to hear the Panthers uh, color commentary guy talk about Potman. Um, I forget who it was. Um, <laughs> it is Pot. Their color he, commentator is Potman. That's Potman. Potman from Potman Sucks. Yeah. Well, there you go. Um, go well, it was. It was very like uh, Hank had a couple of, as we know, just sensational saves early in the game, and of course the Rangers got. You know, outshot. The only thing people remember is remember how the Rangers had six breakaways and Tanner Glass had a goal and how they won with Anthony Nether and Bucinevich and all. But the Rangers were, you know, Hank faced an avalanche of shots. Um, but they were talking early and Pavin was just saying how, you know, this guy's not a king. Uh, in the last four games, he's allowed 14 goals. And then it was such a delight to hear that uh, that his opinion just unravel in front of evidence of <laughs> that toe save by Hank where forget who it was on. That save where it's the sort of thing where you're positive. He has like eyes on his shoulders or something to be able to see and react in time. Cause it, it's one of those saves where, it's almost in a way pedestrian for Hank because he's that good at covering the bottom half of the net, but to see it, you know, in a game where both teams really need to win. And that's, it was an intense game. The Panthers were heavily favored going into the game because of home ice and the fact that the Rangers have been falling to pieces. But um, to, to listen to, you know, someone who, hasn't seen a lot of Lundqvist, you know, say, oh, this guy isn't a king. Uh, you know, you just got to put pucks on net. And then to watch Hank just put in, even though it wasn't a shutout, you know, put a performance up that rivaled what, what Auntie did in Tampa. It was just so, it was so delightful. And I don't use that word often, but it was such a pleasure to watch Hank really, really get right back into form. And because, uh, you know, he, he had his first, you know, couple rough games after really turning things around, and um, so it's the, no matter what the Rangers did at the deadline, and no matter what we think about how guys like Clendenning are used, and whether or not Glass is here for another week or whatever happens, the only thing that the only storyline that really matters regarding what the Rangers do in the playoffs and what happens is what Hank does and what he plays like, because that's the way this team is built and even with the addition of Brendan Smith, we still see what happens in terms of teams getting a lot of quality chances. I mean, uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's Henrik Lundqvist's team and, uh, and it's really promising to see him play that sharp. But, uh, the thing I'll kick over to you two, um, this is something to maybe wrap up is what the hell do you think is wrong with the power play? <laughs> Beth left this physical. You know, Beth, I'll allow you the time to think for that answer. Um, I think it's a couple of things. The the first part is the Rangers' offense is not maybe what it was in the beginning of the year, and there's a bunch of reasons for that. It's the the injuries and a couple of guys being snake bitten and whatnot, and. Mm. I, I can't make the argument that it's the lack of a power play quarterback because there was a point in time when the Rangers power play was spectacular this year without a power play quarterback. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I, 
I think there's not a ton of movement. I, I think there's not enough players in front of the net. Listen, you score goals in hockey in chaos. And on the power play, even more so. So Nash has been moving to the front of the net. Kreider has been moving to the front of the net. You have to crash the net because when you get the rebounds, you can slam goals home. It's those dirty goals. You get one of them, and then the next thing you know, you're scoring a million. In the preseason, yeah. we saw Zibanejad set up at the Ovechkin spot and fire two goals in in two playoff games or preseason games from that exact position. I don't think we've seen a single goal from him there all year. So, I don't know. I think it's a bunch of things. I think it's a bunch of little things, to be honest with you. And people want to see Grabner. I don't think Grabner's game is suited for the power play. He needs to create no. that defense-to-offense yeah. transition that you're just not yeah, doing the open power ice in front of him. He doesn't need space, you know, in a stationary, you know, like Zuccarello is a guy who screams power play. Grabner is a guy who screams transition game. Right. And they could, you know, hit the net every now and again. That would probably help, too, but positive. That would help. <laughs> but, uh, since the beginning of the new year, it's it's 8.1% on the power play. So it's the sort of number you, you can't make up. Worse. Beth, oh, your thoughts get... on this? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I would say the problem with the power play is is – the coach of the power play, not the quarterback of the power play. Um, but I don't know if, I mean, it seems like there has to be some sort of accountability there um, with the well, players to not be able to make that work. I think it's fair to say there haven't really been that many adjustments, right? Yeah. I mean, there's the, the stupid drop pass thing, which, I mean, if I know they're going to do it at this point, I'm pretty sure the people getting paid to figure out what they're going to do know they're going to do it. It's weird. It's like having a man advantage doesn't play to the Rangers' advantages, which are, mm. you know, capitalizing what? on other what about people's that was so mistakes funny. and full speed. And isn't that strange? It's like they just start passing and hypnotize themselves. Might be and... just laughing. Well, it just reminds me of the the Tortorella days when we used to hear the you know the famous decline the decline the power play decline the penalty, and it just re- reminded me of how we didn't hear that like the first half of the season, and it was because the Rangers had not just an adequate power play but a good one for a while, and like. Like all things Rangers, it just wasn't built to last. So it just it just makes me think of all right. Well, you know, how long is it before we start hearing that again? And you know, it's well. Also, fan. I mean, Rangers fan culture wise, I think you know, and I think I've mentioned this before. I think some Rangers fans, because of the Cup run, aren't actually that bothered. Um, or it's not that they're not bothered by the power play not working. It's like having the power play in the toilet almost seems like good luck. You know, maybe it's so bad now that we'll end up in this cup final again. Um, the way we did the last time when it was oh for 32 or whatever it was. So there's something both depressing and weirdly reassuring about it at the same time. But I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure we have the kill that we had when, the power play that is that a bit right there is the big difference. So, that's, yeah. that's the big difference. 
because yeah, the Rangers absolutely. did not have a great power play. I, I don't think I, – I looked up the numbers, and we did a story on it once about how important the power play was, and I don't think it was overly important because – not that it's not important, but power plays are – you're hot and cold. In the playoffs, you might get 10 power plays or 20 power plays. The, the sample size is so small that you just got to be able to convert on the right ones. The timely goals, that's what – that's where you can make a comment like that and, and it, it have it make sense. But the penalty kill was great. The Rangers were a good defensive team. The Rangers were a great possession team in 2014. Well, part of their like identity was their penalty kill. Then mm-hmm. we forget Zuccarello was a third line center or a third line player rather. Zuccarello, Pouillat, and Broussard was the third line, and it was one of those brilliant fall into success moments and. Vigneault kept them together, so you're not taking anything away from him. But the it's just it, it was great. Everything worked. The offense might not have been there, but you had Lundqvist, you had also, the defense, you had a great penalty kill. A stat I would love from back then is also how many goals were scored right after the kills were over on that run. Because I remember that happening a lot. There'd be a Gorgeous, perfect penalty kill, and the other team would score almost immediately after getting back to, you know, everyone was back at full strength. Um, but those kind of things are hard to clock. But it was it was so good that it was almost like they were like, yep, that was great. And, uh, yeah. I don't know. So I'm, I do miss that, but I don't know how to fix the power play. No, I do not. Yeah, I have no idea. Lundqvist uh, passed. <laughs> He passed the Brodeur for most wins by a goaltender in his first 12 seasons. So, I know. Take that, Brodeur. Get out of here with that nonsense. Or whatever trash talk. I was going to say something mean, but I won't. So. About I me? Because it's a positive night. No, about Brodeur. But no, we can talk I mean about Brodeur. The exact positive? family. I couldn't remember only... the exact family configuration that he had done something ridiculous in. So. The joke yeah. that he played anyway. Did he, he marry is, his uh, sister-in-law? Yes. Well, so, yeah. yes, but not, um, uh, what is it? I'm it's dying his, to know what the butt is here. <laughs> it's his wife's, it's his wife's brother's, it was his wife's brother's wife. Okay, so not his wife's sister. But, right, not his wife's sister, but his. But it was it, his so technically she is his sister-in-law, but it's that's why Uncle Daddy is the greatest chance of all time. It really <laughs> is the greatest chance of all time. There is no better. There's nothing better than that. None. <laughs> Zilch. I had totally forgotten about that. Oh, I'm Uncle so happy Daddy. now. <laughs> We've pleased Beth. It's not an easy thing. Uh, to do. Yay. Um, all right, Mike, anything else rattling around in that brain you want to release to the world? No, nothing I can think of. I was thinking pretty, like, while you guys were talking about Martin Brodeur's choice of lady wife, I was thinking about, you know, what what's the different about the power play? And, you know... I don't know. It's it's a really goofy thing. It's something that maybe I should try and put together an article for on the banter, but I think there's definitely something to be said about investigating like Peary's role, um, you know, what 
you know, because the Rangers have such a funny way of, you know, assigning roles for players. And, you know, I know we've talked about it before, but uh, the amount of power play ice that, you know, Grabner leads the team in goals, doesn't see power play ice at all. Miller leads the team in points, hardly sees any power play time. Um, That's a very peculiar little thing that I'm not sure it would hold true for, you know, 90% of teams in the league, you know, that, that that's the way that pans out. And we've talked about, we already talked about Brady Shea, you know, Brady Shea sees less than a minute of power play ice time a game. So, you know, all those things are true and all those counting stats. That is were, not a thing that makes sense. Yeah, but that's, that's the case. Uh, I, I think I looked it up earlier when we were talking. No, I, I believe beginning you. Beginning of the new year and, you know, but, you know, we still want, you know, to see what Nick Holden can do, or you know, we still want McDonough. And I don't know. I, I I'm definitely on board with Joe's idea of trying Shea there. I know I'm going back to something we talked about a long time ago now, but God, um, <laughs> you really, it's it's something the Rangers would like should really try and be figuring out the special teams play because if nothing else, they need to to sort out the PK a little bit more. Um, because to me, the, the power play is the one of the few things in the game where I honestly believe intangibles and psychology are just a huge part of it. Just, you know, it's it's like when a team is like, they've gone seven periods without scoring a goal. You know, every guy in that team is sweating bolts and like, Jesus Christ, I'm never going to score a goal again. You know, it's like those things I believe in. I have a lot harder time believing that, you know, a neutral zone face-off followed by a fight changes something. But, um, but yeah, that's my two cents at the end here. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's – it's the same thing as the number one center or the toughness or whatever, what jacks up a team. I'm 100% in agreement with you, though. Guys grip the stick too tight in that situation and – they talk about how you get that first goal and it's the anticlimactic, like goal off the ass or something. Like the puck yeah, bounces I mean, off your butt. Exactly. It goes like in. The, the, and the next thing you know, you're great. Yeah, like Kreider's deflection on the, the camphor goal. It's like, was that intentional? Mostly. You know, just you need a goal like that to turn things around. Just a power play goal because it will feel so nice and it will be called a power play goal. <laughs> That's what like, we Woo-hoo. will call it. Um, all right. Now I'm singing Levon in my head for some reason. Uncle um, I was singing <laughs> Smash Mouth All-Star the other day. It was terrible. Hey, now, you're an All-Star. Watch the Rangers. Oh <sighs> From home. There's children who listen to this. I need to, uh, <laughs> I need to find that Jimmy Vesey song that I sang and bring it back. You do? Poor Jimmy Vesey. Poor Jimmy Vesey. It's the the opus of your your music writing career. It, that was our that was our Appalachian period, I believe, or was it yes. our like <laughs> Victorian newsboy period? I don't really remember. Yeah, I forget. We've been camping like out yonder. They all blend um, together. Yeah. Uh, if any of you, I know I've mentioned this on quite a few podcasts, but if any of you are into reading and have not yet, read the Dark Tower by the Dark Tower by Stephen King. Um, and I mentioned it in the game, the game post today, like the notes after the game. And so many people made very, very, very witty remarks um, in the comments field. And 
uh, I don't really know why I thought of that, probably because there's like a Western theme to that, and maybe we were in the Western theme when I sang my song about Jimmy Vesey going down the hill, but read it. Read books. They're good for you. Oh, and today is Women's Appreciation Day, isn't it? International Women's Day. Yeah, we have close. a woman to appreciate. <laughs> oh, my God. Can I, can I decline the appreciation? You cannot. This is not like a power play. You need to be appreciated. Oh, my God. We get to do nice things about Beth instead of Mike. This is great. Mike, we'll get to you in a moment. Mike, appreciation day is later. Um, you're listening to Beth Macklin, who is one of two women on bantering or, or on Blue Shirt Panther and on one of one really, woman on bantering really Blue Shirts. So Where are you keeping the better. other one? Heather? Heather is one of the moderators. Oh, okay. That's right. Okay. God, you forgot about her on Women's Appreciation Day. Hi! Hi, other, um, hi, other woman. That that sounds wrong. Yeah, you, you're making it way worse. Um, <laughs> we appreciate Beth because she puts up with us. She is... Uh, she makes it way myself in check. And she makes it smarter. She makes the website better. I love you, uh, Beth. Beth is one of my favorite oh, people to watch a hockey game too. with. I appreciate you. <laughs> and maybe Even one day you will go to a Ranger game. game she does not well, I'm at the Ranger game. That would be great. I thought I was going to get to meet Beth this weekend, but that didn't happen because she decided not to no, the game because happen. she hates me. No, it's no, not. No, I didn't. The kid had a taekwondo tournament. I'm a black belt oh, in Taekwondo, you know. So is she? You are? Ooh, yeah, death am. match between Joe and my kid. No. I don't want to die. Really, my money's on my kid. Yeah. Yeah, well, how can you I not support your own kid? I would put money on my kid, too. <laughs> okay, me versus an ostrich. Depends. Can you get behind it? Didn't we do this didn't already? We, didn't we find a video? Bird. We found a video didn't where we? you can't get behind an ostrich. Well, well they're really, that video? really fast. They're really they fast. Like, yeah, they run yeah. like just like an yeah, ostrich. They run incredibly fast, yeah. Well, yeah, they run like 35 miles an one? hour. You throw people? <laughs> what did you say? Isn't Taekwondo all about like throwing people or am I mixing that up with another no, martial Taekwondo art? Taekwondo is Judo like is for the throwing people, I think. Judo is okay. Taekwondo right. is like a mix of Judo and Jiu-Jitsu and... It's a little bit of everything. She can throw you, though. She can throw you. She can. She'll remy your ass right on the floor. You won't even know what's going on. Nope. You'll be in the air, and then she'll it's be just gone. Like, me? Yeah, the next thing you she, know, she's beating the crap out of you, and the ostrich is like, give me your money, Shay. <laughs> I'm a 20s gangster ostrich. In fact, out of all of us, I'd put her up against the ostrich, frankly. Well, she's smaller than us. Less of a strength. But she, she and the well ostrich would team up and come back and kick all of our asses. Is what I yeah, see, that's really actually happening well there. The so. yeah. Her daughter is, is one of the ostri. Ostri, yeah. We're just Pearl ostrich ostrich? ostriches here. I don't like ostriches. I like ostri. like octopi. Uh, Have you ever done camping, Joe? Have I ever done what? Camping. Uh, when I was younger, yes. Um, like real camping, uh, but not in a long time. Yeah. Is there any reason why that came up in question? No, I just wanted to ruin things. <laughs> Did you have a camping story that you wanted to share? 
No, I've just been thinking about camping a lot lately. I don't know why. Do you want to go camping? Uh, yeah, we should have a Blue Shirt Banner camping. Blue Shirt Banner Jamboree. Blue Shirt yeah. Camping. Can we call it a sure. jamboree? We can call it whatever you want. There's excuses to use the word jamboree. I would like to use it. Jamboree. Okay, jamboree, sure. I like it better than fiesta. Although fiesta is oh. a nice word, too. Fiesta is a nice word. See, fiesta it, just reminds me of siesta, and that makes me want to take a nap. Yeah, that's, that's or, a, I was about to say the same thing. Someone did really a, uh, Drink a martini. Not a martini, a margarita. Yeah, a martini at a fiesta would be weird. Yeah. You would be the guy who ordered the martini at the fiesta, though, wouldn't you? I have never had a martini. I had the one once. It tasted like gasoline. I'm very uncool. It tasted like really cold gasoline. It, it's and just I did not straight, like it. I mean... Gin, basically, yeah. Right, and or I vodka, would... vodka, whichever. I would enjoy the olives. I love olives. But I'm a bourbon man myself. There's like nothing funny about olives loving too, olives, but Michael. Not together. Uh, do you the remember people... when I was at the restaurant with you before the Ranger game, and I had never had an olive that had still had the pit in it? And you had what? to explain to me like I was some sort of Neanderthal that like, Mike, there's pits and olives, and I was, and I was just How looking at you like, Beth, he was I'd, cutting I'd had the olive with a fork and knife. He was cutting it with a fork and knife like some type of heathen. The waitress well, looked was, at us and or, was or a king. I don't, I don't know who cuts olives with their for, forks and knives. I'll tell you who does. Someone who's intrigued and wants to do a dissection and wants to find out. Well, look at it what this it way. It's much like. better than that you threw it in your mouth, champed down on it, and broke your tooth, and Joe had to take you to the hospital. Yeah, that, that would have been a very poor result. <laughs> he was just sitting there cutting it just angrily. Angry? I do love Why olives, angry though? at the olive? Because he didn't like it out of pit in it. But then why bother with it at all? He doesn't like pits. Because I like olives. I just, I've always just had pre-pitted olives. I do olives. think he, he mentioned that he had only ever eaten the black olives out of a can, which are amazing yeah. olives. And I've which had, are, yeah, like, um, the green olives that have, what's it called, pimento or what's it called? Yeah, those are did, you, did you wonder why stuff. they had such perfect holes in the middle? Yes, I knew that at one point they had a pit, but I was so conditioned oh. to just eat Mike thought olives. that all olives were pitted before they were yeah, okay. thought that, that. But you knew that at one point they had had pits. The they weren't like little yes, tunnel foods. Okay. No, all right. Well, I feel better now. It's like I don't expect, you know, when I eat carrots for it to still have its root system still attached to it. You know, and I understand. But that you could see with your eyes. Yeah. A pit is, is, you know it's there, but it's hidden. But the, the roots in the, the carrot, you can physically see. Yeah, it's not going to surprise you. It's not going to surprise you unless you're a complete eating, moron. Eating the carrot will help you see the roots. Because carrots are they good for your eyes. Excellent. Gentlemen, I have to leave you now. You can offer Fine. your carrots in delicious Blue Raven meals. You can. <laughs> there it is. Do you get olives in your delicious Blue Apron meal, though? Uh, I have not had a meal yet that has had olives, but I'm sure you could. Joe, do you know uh, what long pork is? would be great if it was a whole box of olives. What, what is? Long pork. Blue Apron just sent you a big box of olives. I want to make guess at what long pork is. Because right. it, is it... Yeah, I really have to go. All right, goodbye. That's fine. We'll, you got to we'll, say for we'll, this. Bye. Love we'll you guys. Goodbye. We'll Appreciate Beth's day. Yeah, appreciate Beth. 
Um, is it human it flesh? It is. You're very good. You've won. Um, You've won a box it was of human in, uh, The only reason I know that is because it was in the Dark Tower. Oh, very good. That is the only reason I know that. It's apparently um, because human flesh tastes of pork. Or that is what cannibals have said. But then again, I find them to be an untrustworthy folk. Yeah, They are. They try to eat you the whole time. Yeah, they're always thinking about it. They don't pit their eyes. They just eat them like some type of heathen. Yeah, but they don't take a knife and fork to it and investigate. Uh, All right. Appreciate Beth. Twitter.com slash Beth Macklin. Show her your appreciation. She's the best person. She is the second best person behind Mike, who is the best person. I'm not a person. I've been mostly a centaur for a long time. Blue would be a shell of itself without Michael. God damn it. Michael Murphy has made the website what it is today, and he is one of my best friends. And I would be a terrible, horrible person without him. You're so beautiful when you do this. (laughs) I know how much it bothers you. But not a word of this is untrue. Not a word of it. I may be doing it to annoy him, but it's all positive. Thank you. It's nice. It's appreciated Beth today. All Beths everywhere. If you have Beth is a whale. Beth in your life. A daughter, a wife, a sister, a bearded dragon, them. pet. We appreciate them. Um, hurricanes tomorrow. Hurricanes tomorrow. Twitter.com. Dig deep BSB. I'm Blue Shirt Panther. Just type Blue Shirt Panther for things and you'll find us. Uh, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Let's go, Rangers. Let's go, Rangers. <laughs>